More information about Foothills Church is available at foothillschurch.com. All right. Well, if you got your Bibles, let's turn to Luke chapter 10. Hope you are doing well. Uh, how many of you guys are already, you have your presents, you have them wrapped and they're under the tree and you're going to enjoy this week. How many of you guys are in here? One person. All right. Two people. Way to go. There's like three. So that's good for you guys. The rest of us are going to be running around like chickens with their heads cut off this week, getting ready. Uh, but that's, hey, part of the fun, right? Um, man, I'm excited, uh, obviously, about the Christmas offering today. I'm excited just about the Christmas Eve service that we're going to have. And um, uh, we've literally been talking about this for several, several weeks um, as we prepare for this. And so I hope you're prayerfully ready uh, to give. But we wanted to look at God's word today and, and again be reminded about what it means to, uh, as you go, make disciples. That's the theme of our, of our sermon series over the last few weeks. And today we just want to continue that mindset and, and, and really begin to dive in even deeper at what it means to be on mission, to be like, you know, as I am going to, to, to work and as I am going to the gym, as I'm taking my kids, you know, to uh, school and to practice, that, that I'm thinking through the mission of God and, and who are the people around me that, that need to hear the gospel or that just need encouragement or who is God placing in, into my life and those strategic moments that, that I can invest in, that I can love on, that I can pour into. And so that's really our concept here. And, and we want to continue that train of thought in Luke chapter 10. But, but before we get there, let me just kind of set this up. I mean, like there's no shortage of people in our country today telling us how bad things are getting. I mean, there, there are hundreds of people, thousands of people that, you know, are kind of trumpeting and kind of, you know, making this their mission to kind of tell us all the time uh, how bad and how negative our world is or how, uh, you know, messed up healthcare is or, or maybe education systems and the government. And, and so there's a lot of negativity out there. And, and obviously, you know, the church needs to be aware of what's going on. And, and uh, you know, quite frankly, our religious liberties are, are really being threatened um, in a lot of ways. We need to be aware of that and, and, and prayerfully uh, as we talked about uh, in the Roman series, how do we handle that with the government and whatnot? But, but for us, there's, there's more to it that I want us to think through. Um, there's more, more understanding that I want us to embrace today. I mean, there's, there's, there's no secret that, you know, our culture or in our country is, is spiraling downhill, um, you know, spiritually speaking. And so we know that's an issue. We know that um, is, is, is a problem. And, and in our world, because of media, there's 24-7 news coverage of, of wars, of, you know, poverty, of sickness, of, of death. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And, and so no matter what station you like to watch at any time during the day, you know, you can, you can see it and you can be discouraged in a second as to all the different things that are happening in our world. And as a result, I think a lot of times we can become desensitized to sin because we can see it so much. And so, you know, when we see the same murder or the same story or the same crime uh, over and over and over again, and it's almost like it doesn't shock us anymore. It doesn't make us sick anymore. And so we've got to be careful. We've got to stay connected to the gospel and understand what God is calling us to do. And I was really reminded about this this week. Obviously, I was taking, a, taking some, some shopping trips this week and on my way to Knoxville. So, you know, in the 25, 30 minute span that I'm in the car, I'm listening to the radio and I heard about, you know, a school shooting again, heard about a, a, an, an airport bombing. You guys, I'm sure heard about all this stuff. Um, 
I heard about how I've got to, I better buy gold uh, because if the stock market crashes, I, you know, that's the only thing that's going to matter. So, you know, gold is an issue. I heard about um, how uh, global warming is, is, is the reason why we had so much rain in the summer. And it's the reason why it's already so cold this winter, which I, I'm still scratching my head on, but somehow it kind of, you know, it's working that way, at least what they're saying. Um, I heard about um, how ESPN uh, was kind of banning a Catholic hospitals commercial. Did you guys hear about this? Uh, because they actually had the audacity to mention Christmas and the birth of Jesus at Christmas. So it's like, I mean, it's like, <laughs> I mean, you don't have Christmas without Jesus. So, so you know, you, you, you hear that. And then I heard um, from Shaw Air Force Base. Did you guys hear about this story? Like they put out the nativity scene that they always do every year. And then there was some liberal group that came in and said that there were some uh, unidentified airmen who were disturbed and troubled by the plastic Jewish family on the base. I mean, that was, you know, I, I'm quoting that. So it's like, what is going on? On. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of um, uh, people in our world that would want to, you know, disband the idea of Christmas and what it means. And I'm telling you, in that 25, 30 minute drive, I was ticked off. I was angry and I was anxious for, for the, the world that my kids were going to grow up in. And, and man, I was just mad. And maybe you're like me on that, like you hear it and it frustrates you and it upsets you. And, and kind of what I want us to focus on today is like as the church it should do more than just upset us. As the church, it should do more than just make me nervous or anxious. Like what we're going to read today, and, and this is really the thrust of really the idea and the concept, is that as the church, like we have the answer to the healthcare system, the government problem, poverty, crime. I mean, the answer is a spiritual answer, isn't it? I mean, I mean it's not like we need better education or better, you know, you know hospital. All those things are great physically needs that, that, that need to be met. But at the same time, there is nothing that's going to end poverty and crime unless Jesus is inserted into the equation. Like Jesus comes into our life, the Holy Spirit transforms us, changes us, and then we begin to see the world around us differently. And so that's what it's going to take for anything in our world to change. And so the church has to look at these issues and realize that these are spiritual issues. Like we, as the church, are being sent by Jesus into culture to, to inflict change and impact and culture shift. And only Jesus can change culture. And so through us, one person at a time, we see families and people coming to know Jesus and then poverty, then hunger, then all of these dark uh, problems that our world faces begin to be erased. But without Christ, nothing is ever going to change. There are 6.8 billion people in the world. Like, I can't even comprehend that, but 6.8 billion people. And out of those 6.8, a third of them claim to be Christians. And so, I mean, you're, you know this, like, like a lot of people claim to be a Christian, but aren't actually like living for Jesus. So that, I think that's a high number, but let's just say a third are Christians. That leaves 4.5 billion people around the globe who do not know Jesus and are on their way to an eternal hell. 4.5 billion people. You see, this is a huge need. I mean, this is massive. It is urgent. Like we don't have time to play around. Couple that with the physical need. I mean, 26,000 children will die this year because of starvation or preventable diseases. 26,000 children. 
Like I, I can't even understand or comprehend that almost, but, 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 but yet it still needs to knock me off my feet when I hear that number. And we might need to be challenged by that. I mean, church, we don't have time to play around with our lives and like figure out who we are as a person. I mean, listen, we have a mission. We serve a king who has a mission and you and I better get busy on it or we'll be judged accordingly. Like, I don't want to be a part of a church that is not focused around this mission. Like we don't, people are dying. 4.5 billion people. Are you kidding me? It's like, what can we do? And, and so the numbers are massive and the problem is huge. And, and so like me, I get overwhelmed and I get a little anxious sometimes. And it's like, okay, well, what can I do? And, and, and today I believe Jesus is going to make it very simple for us, you know, rednecks. Like, here's what he wants us to do. Get off our donkey and help somebody. Now, if you're a King James Version reader, you might not want to read your version out loud today. Uh, if you don't know, what, we, have, we have so many new Christians, like the King James Version, nobody hardly reads it anymore, but like, it's a different word. But anyway, um, like, like the object and the point here is like, we've got to get off our, 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 our proverbial donkey and begin to do something for those who are hurting and dying in this world. Let's look at Luke 10 and let's begin in verse 25. Here we go. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test. Now imagine that, like a lawyer that thinks he knows more than everybody else. Okay, so, so a teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So, so he's trying to trick him, trying to get under his skin here. He thinks he kind of knows, you know, how to framework this argument and this question. So what do you, what do, you do to in, uh, inherit eternal life? Great question, by the way. Hope you've asked that. Verse 26, he said to him, what is written in the law? Jesus says, how do you read it? And the man answered him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And so the lawyer said to him, you have, uh, or Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Verse 29. But he, talking about the, the, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself. In other words, he wanted to make himself look better. Wanted to make himself look right. Wanted to make himself look holy or, or more righteous. He begins to question Jesus even more. Bad idea, by the way. And he says, who is, your, who is my neighbor? And Jesus, and, and, and you know, like Jesus always does, it's not just like a you know, black and white answer. It's a story because we remember stories, don't we? And, and stories teach us lessons and, and it helps things stick in our minds and stick in our brains. I mean, if you have had your kids in our church for, you know, any amount of time, they know this story already and you remember it from the first time you heard it as a kid. So here we go. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. So far, not looking too good for the church people. <laughs> Next, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed. So in other words, as he goes. I mean, he, maybe he's on his way to an important business meeting. I don't know. Maybe he's on his way to an important lunch meeting that was going to, you know, seal the deal on something financially for him. I don't, maybe he was on his way to practice because he had to pick up the kids because the wife had to go. I, I don't know. But as he was going, as he was journeying, he notices what's happening to this man. As he journeyed, he came to where he was, where the man was, and he saw him and he had compassion. 
Now in your Bible, circle that words. If, you, if you've got your own Bible, that's a huge word. Verse 34, he went to him and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Verse 37, the man says, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Man, what a great story. I love, I love this story. Let me, let me dissect it with uh, six quick, important lessons I think we learned about the mission of God. So if you're taking notes, number one, people are dead and dying all around us. See, as this man is traveling, he looks and he sees this guy who is laying on the, on the road and he, and he sees him and he has compassion and he sees that he's half dead. I mean, physically, this guy is half dead. And then so, so the Levite comes by and says, like, ah, I don't have time. I've got, I've got, you know, take the kids to practice. And then I've got, you know, I've got this meeting that I got to go to. And then, you know, I got to make sure I do this. So I don't have time. And then the, the Levite comes by and, and so he's got to do this. And, he, and, and so he doesn't have time. And, and so finally Samaritan comes by. But the point is, there are dead and dying people all around you. We learned last week that without Christ, we are spiritually dead. Jesus didn't come to make good people, you know, or bad people good. He came to make dead people come alive. And so, so for us, you know, the, the need is massive. Like without Christ, people are dead spiritually. And that's why marriage, that's why crime, that's why drug abuse, that's why, you know, education, that's why all of these things are in turmoil in, those, in, in their life. And so we, we, we realize the need is around us. And you know, for us, we've got to have compassion, not just sympathy. You see, 4.5 billion people in the world without Christ today on their way to an eternal hell. The need is massive. Jesus says this in Matthew 9, verse 10. Jesus is reclined at table in the house and he's hanging out. And, and it says, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were, were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. So they're, they're hanging out, you know, snacking, eating, you know, just talking, a bunch of sinners, a bunch of tax collectors. And, and the church people, so to speak, the Pharisees saw this and they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and with sinners? Why is he hanging out with these guys? He's too good for them. He shouldn't be around them. Verse 12. But when he heard it, Jesus said, those who are well have no need of a, of a physician, but those who are sick do. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. You see, Jesus's whole mission is, is to be around those who are lost and hurting and dying. It's like, like that was his whole point to come and to be engaged with, with those who are hurting, the, the spiritually dead, the wounded, those who are being robbed. Like this man is, I mean, anybody who is, is, is um, you know, has a drug issue, anybody that, you know, is financially in debt up to their ears and they don't know how to handle their, their, their budget. I mean, these are, these are folks who are being robbed of life. And so Jesus tells us how to handle finance. He tells us how to be married. He, he shows us how to live life so that we might have life more abundantly. 
And so the more of him we have, the more freedom we have, the more joy we have. So we've got this answer. And, and granted, I know a lot of us in here are still trying to put those dots or connect those dots together because, yeah, we're believers, but yeah, I don't quite have a hold on this in my life. And, and we get that. But, but like I said last week, the, the, the amazing thing about God is that as I serve people and as I, as, as I press into his mission, all these little things that I'm worried about, sometimes they take care of themselves. Like as I focus on the mission of God, it's like all of a sudden my marriage begins to be transformed. And it's like not because all of a sudden like I, you know, did something to make my wife happy. It's just like the spirit of God is changing me and changing her. And like it's different. And like, like God, I can't explain how God does it, but he does. And, and so people are, are dying all around us. That's what Jesus came to do. And so the focus for us has to be on those needs around us. Secondly, You've got a choice to pass by. The first two guys had the choice. You have the choice every day. You have the choice to pass by, see the needs and pass by. And so, and so for us, here, here's what I want to challenge you guys with today. Like sometimes um, we assume that God is saying no. Have you ever realized that? Like somebody asks you to go on a mission trip and you're assuming that God is saying no. And so you say things like, okay, I'll pray about that. Or, you know, be involved in this ministry or serve with this organization in our city, you know, to really help, you know, make change. You know, we've got so many that we're partnering with. Choose one and serve. And it's like, yeah, let me pray about that. Because we assume God is telling us no. And so let me pray about it until he says yes. So what if you just kind of flipped it and you just assume God was saying yes. And you're like, you're going to go and you're going to do until you have a clear No, that's a different way to think about it. Here's what Jesus said. John chapter 20, verse 21. As the father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So it's like he sent us. He is sending us. So let's just assume that on the mission trips we're taking this this, uh, year at Foothills Church that God wants all of you to go. It's like God just said yes to all of you. So now it's like, let let me go ahead and go to the meeting. Let me go ahead and prepare until God gives me a clear No, I mean, that's a different way to think about the mission of God because he sent us. The whole reason why we celebrate Christmas is because God sent his son on a mission trip to earth. And so like, so he has sent his son. Jesus says, so just like the father has sent me, I'm sending you. It's huge. You've got a choice to pass by. Number three, you've got to move from sympathy to action because here's the deal. The man, the first two guys maybe felt sorry for him. And we, we're good at feeling sorry for people. Man, I feel sorry for them because they don't have stuff. Or I feel sorry for them because they're struggling. It's like, feel sorry, man. Take, forget feel sorry. Compassion moves us into action. The word compassion actually means like, I will come alongside of you and suffer with you. And so that's what compassion really is. Like, like I feel sorry from you for a distance, but, but compassion moves me into your life and like I'm gonna walk with you through this difficulty, through this struggle. And so that's what Jesus is calling us to in this Samaritan. I mean, he gets it. He gets it like, like he's, on a, he's on a donkey. He gets off to help and, and, and he has compassion on the man who is hurting and dying. So it's not like he's just feeling sorry for people. He's not like he's ignoring the issues and the problems, not just like he's going to get mad and then just go complain like some of us, you know, are tempted to do. He gets off his donkey and he does something about it. I believe that's what God is calling us to do. Part of what today is about 
You know, when we give in just a minute, it's about doing what we know to do. And it's about, it's about getting off our donkeys and doing something for the mission of God. Number four, the very definition of a neighbor and what a neighbor, neighbor really is, uh, is blown out of the water. Because Jesus is expanding like those who live next door to me to people in need who are all around me. So like we talk about our neighbors and we, you know, if you're in college, it's like, you know, your sweet mates or the guys that live down the hall or your neighbor, you know, if you're in a neighborhood, it's, it's like across the street or right next door to you, an apartment, the guy across the hall, whatever it is, that's kind of our neighbor feel. But Jesus blows that understanding up and he says, no, your neighbor are the people all around you who are in need totally transforming our understanding of what it means to be on mission and to love our neighbor. Jesus makes it clear that loving our neighbor means engaging with people who need our help. I mean, Jesus asked the question, he says, who's the the neighbor in this situation? And And the obvious answer is the guy that showed mercy, the guy that showed compassion. And that's the lesson. And so for us, we've got to understand that we've, we've got to be willing to be around people that we wouldn't normally hang, or hang out with or, you know, we, we wouldn't normally associate with or we wouldn't normally like, like deal with. But the gospel beckons us to, to, to really come to that environment and to show compassion, to move from our schedules to his schedule and to do what God is calling each of us to do. Whatever is, is robbing people of life, I mean, that, that's kind of what, what we look at. We see, we see all this, you know, drug addiction. We see, you know, education. We, we see all these problems. But it's like that is a thief. It's like robbing people of true life. And like Jesus, you know, transforms us to understand what life is all about. And so we've got an opportunity to pass by or we can get off our talkies. We can do something. We can engage. Number five. It takes partnerships to overcome the problem. It takes partnerships to overcome the problem. Look again at verse 35. What, what's he do? So yeah, as he's journeying, so he's got somewhere to go. And as he goes, he, he pick, scoops up the guy and, and he pours you know, oil and wine on the guy's wounds. Now, now man, like, could you, could, you got some neosporin? I mean, you got some peroxide. I mean, can you stitch me up? Can a brother get, you know, some aspirin? I mean, are you kidding me? All I got is, is, is wine and oil. Can you not do something better? But here's what the guy does. He does what he knows to do. At that time, the only thing they really knew to do with cuts and open wounds was to pour, pour wine and to pour oil on. So it's like God's not asking you to do everything to save those 4.5 billion people this afternoon. He's calling you to do what you know to do. God blessed you financially, then part of today is give. God blessed you with leadership, then God's calling you to lead. God blessed you with teaching, with, with whatever skills that he has given to you. He's calling you to use those for the gospel. So, so the guy has partnerships. So he, he, he pours water, or sorry, pours oil, wine. He, he kind of fixes him up. Then he takes him to an inn and he, and he talks to the innkeeper and he says, look, here's some money. 
Um, I've got to go because I'm on a journey. I do have a life. I do have things to, to take care of, but, but this is part of my life. And so, so I'm, I'm going to give you some money, whatever he needs, you know, continue to take care of him. And then I'm going to leave and whatever else the guy needs, go ahead and pay for it. I'm going to come back and I'll reimburse you for all the expenses for this guy's needs. And so, so partnerships are huge. I mean, we can't solve the, you know, the, the food shortage and, and, and those who are hungry in our county, just us as a church. I mean, we don't, we don't have all that together yet. That's why we partner with Second Harvest. And we can't, we, you know, we, we, we can't, you know, just eradicate abortion in our county on our own. We've got to make partnerships with the Pregnancy Resource Center and serve and work alongside. And, and so partnerships are huge. Some things you can do on your own. You know, maybe it's a small need, maybe it's a small thing, and yeah, you can do that. But overall, if we're going to really impact our city and our world, it's going to take all of us partnering together. Again, that's part of what the Christmas offering is all about. Like we are partnering together to make a difference in our city and in our world. Partnerships are huge when you look at the gospel. And then finally, number six, like the point of the story is in verse 37. Jesus says, now you go and do likewise. You go and do likewise. I mean, we can't just read the Bible and like learn stuff and like puff ourselves up spiritually because we understand, you know, the Trinity or we understand whatever, you know, concept it is. Like everything in the Bible screams at us like when it teaches, now you go and you do likewise. Like the story is not just to entertain us. That's a cool story. Makes me feel good inside. I get butterflies, you know. We should make a movie out of that, you know. It's like, no, the story is like, go and do likewise. Get off your donkey, bro. Like, do something. Don't just complain. Take the opportunities that God has given to you and begin to make a difference. Go and do likewise. See, God is redeeming everything damaged by sin in the world. No, it's not going to be perfect. It's never going to be perfect in this lifetime. We, we're, we know that. But I believe God is calling us to push back the darkness as far as we can as a church. And me as an individual, I, I want to do everything I can to push back the darkness. That's what, that's what God is calling us to do is he would, he would work through us and, and, and we would begin to see that, yeah, the Spirit of God is redeeming relationships. He's redeeming sinners and he's, he's transforming us even as we serve and as we go. As a matter of fact, I'll just tell you that from my experience, the most growth I've ever experienced is when I decided to finally start going. So like the perfect Bible study is not out there. The perfect conference is not out there. The perfect like, you know, relationship is not out there. But when you engage in the mission, doing what you know to do, you know, nobody, I don't, you may not have the degrees and all the, whatever. do what you know to do and God transforms you. He's redeeming sin all, of, all around us and part of God's strategy is the church. And so as, as the church partners together, like we're gonna do today and as we continue to do as a church, then we become a people of blessing. And what a reputation that would be. Like in our community, like, like man, that Foothills Church, man, they're, they're, they're a people of blessing. It's like the reputation of, man, they fight, or man, man, that dude, or they, let's just be known as a group of people that wants to bless our city. 
that wants to bless this world. It's what I believe it means to be the church together, partnered. You know, one of the biggest deceptions I think that we really uh, uh, believe and that we um, just live out in our life is this idea that um, the American dream, like if I can if I can get the nicer house, the bigger house, if I can get the bigger paying job and the promotion, I can begin to get some of the seniority and some of the attention, then I'll be happier. And then, you know, I'll be able to give my kids this and that, and we'll be able to travel and we'll be able to do this. And, and so, so it's always this, this constant like hunger and quest for a little bit more. And like it wakes us up and it drives us and, and it sometimes keeps us up at night. And so it, it never is quenched no matter how much we get, no matter how much we accomplish that, that innate desire for more because of our sin just drives us to do more. And I'm just telling you, Jesus said it. You're never going to find yourself until you decide to lose yourself. You're never going to understand it until you first deny yourself pick up your cross and follow him. It's like, that's the first step. It's our first understanding. What Jesus says in this story is that if we want real life, satisfying, joy-filled life, you've got to love God. You've got to serve those in need. I love what the Bible says in Proverbs eleven twenty five. Throw that up on the screen. But as, as we become a, a giver of life, then, then we receive life. Look at this verse, Proverbs eleven twenty five. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So like a generous person will prosper. That this doesn't make sense because I thought, you know, rich people got rich because they didn't give it away. But it's like, like the biblical like model is like, if I'm generous, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prosper. And whoever refreshes others will himself be refreshed. I don't know about you, but there are days and man, after Christmas, I need that like refreshing time because, because it's just part of that, 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 that thing that we go through through the holidays. And it's like, as we become generous and as we are giving our life away, God blesses and fills our life like never before. There's a chance for all of us to be the hero of the story today. It's funny too, in this story, the Samaritan is the hero. And if you've you've heard this story before, you know that Samaritans and Jews were like against each other because um, uh, Samaritans were were Jews that had married other people groups and they had created their own kind of race. And, and, And so the Jews looked down upon them and they were, you know, more elite and there was a lot of racial tension there. So the hearers of this story would have heard this about the Samaritans and it, it would have just gotten under their skin. And I mean, that's what Jesus does, doesn't he? He like bridges the gaps between cultures. So it's like whatever color skin we have, whatever country we're from, like Jesus bridges that gap and anything that, that would destroy that bridge is sin. So like he's calling us to get outside of our comfy little homes and comfy little lives. And he's not calling us to live a safe life. He's calling us to live a radical life for the kingdom. And that means we're going to have to put ourselves in, in, in the positions and into areas where we're a little bit uncomfortable. We're like we're, we're around people that, that, that maybe we, we don't, you know, kind of click with like we do our own families. And, and so we're going to have to kind of get outside of ourselves and realize that as we meet the needs of other people, God is going to take us out of our comfort zone. Don't live your life searching for comfort. If you do, you'll never do anything great for God. Anything great for God is going to come outside of what you and I are comfortable 
with. And I believe that today we have that opportunity to get outside of what we're comfortable with and to give what God has blessed us with as a church. Uh, the challenge today is to give. The, the, the challenge and in, 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 in kind of corporately what we want to do now is, is, is just prepare to give towards God's mission. Thanks for listening. More information about Foothills Church is available at foothillschurch.com.